Hey y'all, welcome to Black and Binging, where we talk all things Black and woman-led in TV and film. We're your girls, Ronnie and Joy, and on today's episode, if you're Black, you should have binged Harlem episodes 5 through 10, so we are doing our second part of Harlem, and we're also including the finale, and we are doing it with some popcorn. popcorn. So I have my basic herbal popcorn today, but I love this popcorn. It's uh, kettle corn. So in the bag, basic today. What kind of popcorn? So I think we switched roles, but we're still connected at heart. I have kettle corn as well, but it's going to pop. I told y'all I was stepping up my game. We talking about the finale is juicy. Baby, this is like party size. It's a fiesta. It's a fiesta. I cannot. I love that popcorn. That's my favorite. So we finished Harlem. Just to give you guys a little recap of how episode four ended, we ended on a little bit of a cliffhanger um, with uh, Jameson and Camille. They had just hooked up and Camille uses Jameson's laptop and finds something on the laptop. And we didn't know what it was. At the start of episode five, we figure out what it was. So what was on the laptop, Ronnie? This is my little drum roll. We find out, we don't know if it's like Instagram or I think it was her Instagram specifically, but we find out that Jameson was Mr. Private Eye stalking her, mm. um, which I personally thought was creepy as hell. I really did. She thought it was creepy as hell. She went ballistic. Fair. She's like, this is how you knew I liked gaming. And this is how you knew I would be at Red Lobster and all this kind of, she flipped out. She did. Um, but what but- I- what are the like? What are the limits in that? Because I feel like we all Instagram stalk. Like when I meet a guy or so, I want to look at their stuff and know like, well, what do you do? How do you move? Like, what are those limits or boundaries when it comes to like Instagram stalking? So, I think it's a trick answer to your question in terms of it's not appropriate to Instagram stalk at all, no matter what degree you do it, but just don't get caught. You get what I'm saying? Like he oh, got caught. Yes, because I think any level of degree, like even if you said to some like person you were dating or even a friend or something like, oh yeah, I noticed you like X, Y, and Z. I think even if you like admit that you were stalking them, you still have to say it in like a playful joking manner. So they know it was coming from a heartfelt place and you're not creepy. Cause hello, there's been how many seasons of catfish on MTV and like yeah. cyber stalking movies. Like it's a dangerous, creepy thing. Yeah. Like you, that's the creepiest shit ever. Um, but, uh, I guess I get that completely, but I, he, do we not think Jameson came from a heartfelt place because he was doing the stalking because he's bad at dates? Was that not heartfelt? He just got caught. So if he didn't get caught, was it not heartfelt though? Was it like? I hear you. Joy likes Jameson, y'all. So she thought it was like a what was me romantic gesture. I thought that was effort. I thought it was effort. I would deem that effort. Okay. Do you feel like a guy has ever shown effort to try to impress you the way Jameson did, Camille? No. Effort only happens on TV and in movies, okay? It doesn't happen in real life. No, I'm kidding. There have been a few guys that have gone, I guess, out of their ways to, like, impress me and, like, actually 
do something thoughtful in the date process, but it doesn't come around often. That's why I I loved that move from Jameson. I just wish he didn't get caught. So, oh, there you have it. <laughs> and then I feel like the best friends were two sides of the same coin because mm-hmm. Quinn also had a romantic fun night. This time she decided to go ahead and do the one night stand with Sean. Sure. Um, it was a little rocky at the end because his son, Sean's son, ended up barging in and so did his grandmother, which to me was like, okay, you got a kid. It looked like you live at home with your grandma, with your financial situations, because I thought strippers got bands. So <laughs> like, the math ain't mathing. Um, so like, what are your non-negotiables when it comes to dating? Because afterwards, Quinn goes back home and she's like talking to Angie and she's saying how she has like a strict no kids policy. So she doesn't think that this one night stand will end up being a two night or three night stand in the future. I mean, having a kid is one of my, I guess, non-negotiables. And maybe it's not non-negotiable. I wouldn't say that. I think we're getting into the age that that just might be a possibility. Um, It's just the living with your parents kind of thing that's a little bit weird if you're like you know if you're out here like bringing women back like you have to disclose that I feel like if you're living with parents you live with kids like I think if it's disclosed and it's communicated that's fine but um I don't think I have many dating like boundaries or parameters just like don't be an asshole of course if I go like how I think we talked about this on another episode, like coming to the house and it's a hot ass mess or dirty or whatever, like things like that are those things that are like non-negotiable. Cause if I see how you live and you live like a pig, why would I ever get involved with that? Like that's gross. So I think joy has the right idea because that means that she's open to dating multiple people to find her one. Cause sometimes people's boundaries are a bit too long and unrealistic. So keep that in mind, men or women, when you're dating. True, true, true. And then moving on through the episode. So um, we have this really weird, awkward moment. Uh, I thought it was awkward where Camille runs into her ex's mom, Regina, at like, I guess a little shopping thing, um, outdoor shopping event, a farmer's market. And she invites her to her going away party. And says that, you know, Ian's not going to be there, whatever, whatever. But my weird thing here is like, when you break up with someone, are you supposed to still be cool with their family? Like her, his mom was so excited. Hey girl, like I miss, I haven't seen you. And he's like, yeah, like, isn't that, she was like, isn't that weird? And it's like, isn't it weird? Like, would you still be cool with your ex's family? I think it depends. I think I have trouble with that. Like, one of my exes, his mom, like, I'll still, like, touch base on. I had to stop myself this past time. Like, I remembered her birthday, and I'm like, maybe I'm doing too much. So I decided not to text her for her birthday. But mm-hmm. I'll still check up on her from time to time. Um, I think it depends on the bond. And, like, sometimes you know that despite of the relationship ending, you still had a relationship with that person, even though your connection may not still be intact or in the picture right and then with and with uh ian's mom inviting camille she then goes back to her girls dishes to like get their take on the whole situation and i noticed how like ty was super against camille going which i think is more of your mindset like cut all ties 
And then more of like a Quinn, like me saying, oh, well, if you want to go, I'll go with you. Do you have those friends that you will like tell specific situations to because you already have an idea of the answer they'll give? Uh, I definitely do. I know some friends are going to be hard on me and be like, you're wild and don't do this. And then I know other friends who are with the shits and they're like, yeah, make, make the toxic choice. Bad decisions is actually what we call it. I'm not going to call out which friend is my bad decision friend. Jordan um, is my bad decision friend. But yeah, of course you take certain situations and certain, certain people to get like the most ideal outcome. But I mean, sometimes I have those conversations with all of them and you get all of like, you know, the different views of what you should do, but I know who to go to when I want to make a bad decision. So no. Yeah. I have that one. Sasha, we say clown to clown communication. We know we right here. <laughs> right. We right here with each other. And then another thing I'll do is like, if I know that all friends will agree that it's wrong or don't do it, I'll pick a friend that I know doesn't usually answer my calls and I'll be like, okay, if they don't pick up, I'm going to do it. <laughs> that is horrible behavior. You need to be stopped. You need your phone taken away from you because that makes no sense. I can't. That is different, but I might have to adopt that. I might have to take that because you. it works. Yeah. Interesting. So after all of this, um, they go their separate ways after the dishing so then Quinn and Camille decide to go to the the house farewell for Ian's mom's retirement and then we have Ty going to meet up with Anna on her date before they meet up with Angie later and they're strolling down and Ty's just in her head and thinks people are looking at her because she's dating this white woman um and I get it. She has an app for Black love centered around Black queer love. But my whole thing was like, do people really know who Ty is? Like, was she, was this all in her head? Or do you really feel like the world is looking at Ty as, damn, sis, you a hypocrite? <laughs> so when I was watching it, I just like started thinking about real life. Like, what do we think when we're looking at interracial couples? And it's like, typically I'm like, love is love. I'm not about to sit there. But then I'm, I don't know if it's a if it's a prominent black person and they with some white girl or something, I might feel a way. I might be given a little bit of an eye. So I don't think that's completely in her head. I think she might have like overthought it a bit, like you know. But that's also just her guilt because again. You're a prominent figure with an app for Black queers. And here you are. It's almost hypocritical. Like, yeah, to be fair. So I don't know if it was all in her head, but um, it could have been. What did you think? Um, I thought the people looking at her and like judging her was in her head. But I definitely got her standpoint of her internalizing her actions as being hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying I'm against interracial dating, but because black love sometimes is far and few I like love even more like or I'm in awe even more when I see black love as opposed to any other type of romantic love that's what I'll say fair that's a good so Ty is going through this whole moment with Anna and she doesn't know how to basically take it and on the other side we have Quinn and Camille at the retirement party which um Ian's mom said Ian would not be at. And of course, as they come to the door, Ian's there. 
duh, it's his mother. I don't know what she thought, but it's his mother. Like, why wouldn't he be there? Whatever. He knew. She knew. So they go in there and have this, you know, like awkward exchange at the door. Like, should we go in? Should we not? At that moment, I might've walked away like, oh, this is about to be awkward, but whatever. They go in and then we have this really um, important, I guess, moment um, in terms of friendship. So Quinn, I think we mentioned before, she is a fashion designer. She has a, a boutique or whatever. And she ends up with the help of Sean, gaining Mira, which is Ian's fiance, as a client to do her wedding dress. Quinn and Camille are best friends. And she said yes to designing her wedding dress. Ronnie? This is driving in money. I'm tossed, I'm turned. Because I know you probably thought like, oh, does this go against girl code? Was it shady? But Ty wasn't helping Quinn out. True. In that situation, I don't think it was a clear cut answer of like, this totally breaks girl code. I think this would have been like a loophole type moment. It's not like she asked the girl to be her bridesmaid. True. Fair. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like in a situation like that, like you got to get the bag. She's struggling. But damn, like this is the ex I cried and cried about. And you about to make his new fiance like I don't know if I could have done it I don't know if I could have you know been mature enough to get over that but we move um so yeah so basically that's kind of how um that episode ends we have you know Camille at the end of everything she goes back I guess home and she ends up giving Jameson a chance after this like you know despite his crazy stalker ways um and that's kind of how that episode ends so then we move on to episode six Episode six had one of my favorite uh, terminologies. It was an interesting terminology, especially since we're in the season. Uh, they called it big nigga season. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally love this whole concept and idea. It's go find you a big nigga to uh, keep you warm during the cold season. Have you participated in big nigga season before, Ronnie? So I was trying to figure out like my own cute term for it because I've had big nigga seasons. <laughs> like, well, like as Joy would know, like one of my exes was like like big and tall. And I will say, like Angie's hunt, because it's like cuddle like and snuggly. Like I will say, like when you're cuddling with someone that is like n- like bigger than your actual size, it feels like a human blanket. Like you don't even need an actual like comforter. I love it. Really? And I did not notice, I did not know that big niggas got more love during the winter months, but it makes more sense. I mean, but I don't discriminate. I like big niggas. I've across all seasons. Okay, period. All big, purple, brown. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I want to participate in like big nigga season. I'm little, so I feel like everybody's like a bigger nigga than me, but I would like to actually like big and tall. Like, I feel like that would just be like, I always think of Shaq and Hoops. That's what I think of with um, Big Day Season. But I just loved that whole um, um, that whole concept there. That was interesting. Um, so moving after that, we're just touching on some things that happened in episode six. Um, this was an interesting moment for me. Uh, Camille gets invited to, I guess, the opening of Ian's restaurant, her ex. And she is telling Jameson about it, of course, to just be like 
you know, open and candid about it and ends up asking him to go with her to the opening to her ex's restaurant. That blew my mind. Why did it blow your mind? Because one, who would do that in real life from Camille's point of view? Oh, from Camille's point of view. She's crazy. Joy's crazy. Don't listen. And then two, (laughs) from Jameson's point of view, this is like, my like gripe sometimes with the show of being too woke because I don't think his response was realistic like I don't think a typical guy would say like oh yeah I'd love to come with you to and when I say typical guy yes maybe I'm putting the fellows in the box so I apologize maybe you're woke you're 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 securing your love but like come on he's a cornball I thought that was a cute corner response. His response was, I would love to see the man who gave you up and gave me a chance or whatever. That was his response. I think there are corny niggas out there that would say that. And it's cute. But actually go, I'm not talking about the response. I'm talking about the act. Like what man would feel comfortable in that space? Ego and pride. Ego, yeah, I took your bitch. Like, I feel like that's what men think in their head, like, low-key. Like, they just, like, just like I feel like as a woman, I said, I love that because I, not that I'm petty like that where I need to, like, flaunt around a new man, but, like, if the opportunity presented itself, I might take it. Just to be like, look, I'm good, and maybe that shows me I'm not good. Maybe that's some petty shit that you're not supposed to be trying to, like, shit on your exes but i felt like that was just a pride and ego moment and um wow i i I liked it i just i can't believe it but that's what happened and so we're just gonna rock with it and here we are again coin and camille same coin just different heads facing different experiences yep well quinn got invited to Isabel's fundraiser that was like a 90 hip hop prom theme and she invites her beau Sean so no longer considering him a one night stand I guess right. um and people Isabel comes with some other like people at the fundraiser and they automatically start like asking Sean like what he does and then Quinn cuts in and says um oh like he works for Alvin and Ailey no we're not planning on having kids yet and all this kind of stuff um cringy so if you guys don't remember Sean is a stripper and she met him at the the strip club he has the kid he is not no Alvin Ailey dancer and they are not together to the point where they don't have kids it was just you could just see the defeat on his face I felt so bad and I cringe so hard because like why would you do that (laughs) I know why she did it okay because okay it was very fucked up he even walked away because that's how uncomfortable he felt yeah but re-watching it I remember specifically when she started the web lies she said if she said Alvin and Ailey if this ever comes up with my mom so again, we see Quinn's struggle and in, in her always having the, her mom's point of view or what her mom will think in everything that she does. So I have a feeling that if those people knew nothing about her in real life, she would be like, girl, funny story. I met him while he was giving me a lap dance type of thing. I don't know. I just have that feeling. I really feel like the Alvin and Ailey thing or like because of my mom was a cover up. 
I feel like it was a cover up. I think she just didn't want in a room of professional people. I mean, granted, I don't know if I would be comfortable enough to say, yeah, I met him at the strip club. Like, that's a little weird. But I, I just, if that's the case, and if you're going to have a problem with that, you shouldn't be dating that person. And especially like you totally disregard. He has a whole child. Like I know that must have hurt the most. Like it's yeah. one thing. I'm a stripper. That's not the most, I guess, professional profession, whatever. But the kid part, so cringy. I felt so bad. That was a shitty move on Quinn. And part. then maybe circling back to our point that happened in episode five, maybe that's what she gets for not sticking to some of the boundaries that really mean a lot to her, like the no kid policy. Right. Um, and then we see Quinn and Ty meet up to go home um, and they take the train together. Mm-hmm. And this is the end of episode six, the beginning of episode seven. Um, and Ty unfortunately passes out on the dirty ass subway station floor. Right. But Obviously, it must have been for health reasons. So we see her wake up in the hospital bed, Quinn's by her side. And we have this white doctor who's telling her that she needs a blood transfusion. Um, And then a couple of sentences later in the same breath, he says, oh, you're like type O negative or something like that. You should think about donating blood. And Quinn's like coming to his like, Ty's defense, like, are you nuts? You just said she needed a blood transfusion. And then you're asking her to donate it right back. We also find out that Ty's been suffering with a lot of cramps that has been going on way over her menstrual cycle. Quinn's trying to have the doctor do various things to get to that pain. And he's just like, you're good. I told you what you needed. What'd you think about that? Yeah. So first of all, this episode is my favorite episode of the entire series, episode seven favorite episode but particularly like I love how they touched on the importance of having a black doctor I in the most recent years you just see like white doctors just overlook a black woman's pain you see it in delivery rooms and all of that and I love that they touched on this because he's just like brushing off like a serious issue and like totally disregarding the black woman in the room like if you're being treated by another black woman they're going to take care of you because we take care of our own you know so I just I love that they actually touched on black health and making it a priority to you know have physicians that care about you because this doctor is being a total total asshole um yeah a total asshole and the donation part like I think that's just like this view that the world has on the black woman specifically that we're these we give we give we give and we're just like these these I don't know like hamsters running in a wheel and we just have to like everything has to keep going because of us why do if I need a blood transfusion why would I also donate my own blood what do I look like a machine yeah like that was the most inconsiderate shit but uh, I love that they touched on this it's super it's an important conversation absolutely absolutely um so another <laughs> interesting thing that happened so we go on you know Ties in the hospital with Quinn. They don't tell the rest of the friend group. Um, I think uh, Camille is sitting, you know, you know, Camille, my girl, Camille. She's sitting in the bed and she gets a text to her phone from Ian. And it says, are we making a mistake? The typical ex question. This man is soon to be married and he's texting his ex. Are you make? are we making a mistake? 
Have you ever done Right. Have you received a text like that or have you sent a text like that? I don't think it was a text, but it's definitely like let's meet up and then the like the answer it would be that question in person type of thing. Like I've definitely had the question asked or probably at no, I've definitely asked the question too. Really? Both. Yeah, both. You? No. 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 I've ne- have I, I don't think I've ever, no, I don't question things. I say what's meant to be will be, and it'll come back to me. So I don't, I, I don't do any extra work in between time to like make something work again. I'd be like, all right, the universe will put us back together if that's what they want for us. Well, I don't know if that's what Camille was thinking, but she was struggling with responding. Um, so she just never did. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> and she, she went back to sleep and then it was the next day. And we saw that Angie was at rehearsal for the Get Out the Musical. And we had one of her cast members who was white. white um, and she was doing her scene and I think tripped over something or stumbled over a line. And she just said, this set is ghetto like this. Script is ghetto. This whole production is ghetto. And Angie was like, what do you mean by that? I love that line. What What do you mean by that? Like, that made me so uncomfortable because why do white people, first of all, if we look up the definition of ghetto, it don't even make sense in the context that people use it. A ghetto is a neighborhood. It's not a freaking, this is ghetto. And what, what do you mean by that? Like, I loved when she asked her that. And it was just like, basically they get into this whole argument um on set and she's like you know you're being she didn't even say that she was just like you're being did she call her racist I don't think she's she just called her out on her shit yeah, like, yeah. called her racist I'm pretty sure I thought it was just she called her out and she's like are you calling me a racist and like then Andrew was like basically like if the shoe fucking fits bitch like which I felt so hard to like the core like white people are so scared to be called racist but then don't do the work to just not be in these situations where you're using microaggressions around you're literally working on get out musical that's a whole minority cast have some fucking class yeah absolutely and then now also like to your point of like even in the space she's doing it is get out the musical and you would think that okay if she's a part of this Broadway show, she must be woke. She must have some sense. She must be aware of white privilege versus what certain things that people of color don't have. But to me, that was a prime example of like some white people will literally like wear cornrows or wear different garments or say different things and have no idea where it derives from. So um unfortunately that's how that ended and we kind of see that play out further in the episode but someone who is woke and knows a lot about history and culture is Dr. Pruitt (sighs) Um, (laughs) Dr. Pruitt I have mixed feelings about Dr. Pruitt but I think my mixed feelings come from my attack on Camille's character and I'm, I'm I'm not afraid to admit that okay so we have this moment. This was a really like deep moment. Um, Camille's like staying up all night trying to get her documents t- together because she's trying to get the associate uh, professor's position under Dr. Uh, Pruitt. And the white professor who was in Dr. Pruitt's place before had promised her this role. 
and um, she wants to still secure her spot. So she's like, you know, let me get my things together. Let me take them to Dr. Pruitt. She goes and does that, drops all her, all her stuff off. And she's like, oh my God, like, you know, and Dr. Pruitt was just like, girl, like, I'm not endorsing you for this position. I'm not about to take a chance on you. This is why I don't, I don't feel like you proved yourself. Like she ripped her to shreds, right? I think people in that moment were supposed to feel bad for Camille, but I felt Dr. Pruitt low key. Like, I think Camille is super talented and she's super smart. She has the social media presence. She really believes in anthropology and everything that she does. However, she she's been unprofessional this whole time. She misses meetings with Dr. Pruitt. She just assumes that she's going to get things because she's a black woman and she's working under a black woman. I don't think she did enough to prove it. And I felt Dr. Pruitt on that. Um, but it, it's a hard pill to swallow because the way she delivered it to her, it was so mean and nasty. And you would think that Black women like would lift each other up. She did not do that. But I think sometimes we need that hard gut punch so that we can go from there. You know, it's yeah. tough love. And I think, um, I think Camille needed that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think she saw it as that, but hopefully she will. Um, I think she just thought Dr. Pruitt is like a bitch, put, to put it plain and simple. Basically. I actually love her character. I love Whoopi Goldberg in that role. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. It's just funny because she'll just be dry. Like, do you want to know why? Right. Yeah, like, then she was like, anything else? Like at the end, I was like, oh, my heart. That shit hurt my feelings. I felt bad for her. She cried. You know, I felt really bad for her in that moment, but Sometimes you need to hear that and hope that inspires you to be better. Okay, so after Dr. Pruitt was just being a total bitch, uh, we then transitioned over to seeing Angie back on her set after her altercation with her white uh, cast member. And her black director is telling her she needs to apologize and make things right because her white cast member does not want to come back to the set. So Angie has this whole big vision about, you know, what she what kind of apology she would give and she's just talking about how powerful white tears are in these situations and how many times like white tears have ruined black people's lives and they use it to subtract from their racism instead of just saying hey what i said was racist they start crying you think i'm a racist it's like all this stuff and she goes into respectability politics and just it was a really really amazing um vision of what black people probably would want to say to white people when you're apologizing about something and I think one of the dopest lines that I never even thought of before was like does anyone ask us to forgive the Nazis no because they were dead wrong and I feel like why do we always have to be the ones to apologize and like see things as like like we're we're the ones that are wrong like no oddly enough I think of that scenario but even before the show I don't know if this is right, so don't quote me, but I remember a friend I had back in the day, she was like, you see, you see movies of like, uh, based in like slave trade and stuff like that, or black pain, you've, we've seen that over and over again, made into comedy and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but you rarely, if there is even existence, but you rarely see people on like large screens make fun of the holocaust and things like that so i feel like even when it comes to like white pain versus black pain it's even a level of like seriousness with that so when she said that said that i immediately thought of the friend who like put that in my head way back in the day 
Yep, that's important. I, I love that they touched on that. But nonetheless, she apologized because what is what do we do as black people? We apologize and keep it pushing because I don't know why, but that's Obama. Right, right. And that's that's what they quoted. When when they go uh, low, we go high. And I was like, well, can't why can't we go low too sometimes? Like sometimes we gotta get down on the floor and just go. Like, but she she went high, so that was that was good. Um so after that, we kind of transitioned back to tithing in the hospital um, again. So actually, no, what happens is she falls out again. She's going on a on a plane to go to Afrotech and she faints in the airport, ends up unconscious, waking up in the hospital again. But this time she has this black nurse and they diagnose her with a ruptured ovarian cyst. So that first white doctor who was telling her, oh, you just need a blood transfusion, nothing's wrong, totally misdiagnosed her, which is what always happens with white doctors who don't care about black bodies. And um, I thought that was a really, uh, a really important moment to see that she was misdiagnosed. And it was a lot more serious than what that other doctor said. Yeah. Um, and then she finds out that she had to have emergency surgery. So she's a bit like up in the air about that. The nurse does give her her belongings. So of course she calls her girlfriends. That's all she has in Harlem. And they all hurry to her side. And they have this like vulnerable moment where they're just like crying and saying, apologizing for different flaws they have within each other and their relationships as girlfriends. Um, And Joy thought it was such a cute moment. I did. I thought it was so cheesy. I love seeing like, black women vulnerable and sad and like because i feel like they always depict us as like these superhumans these we're always strong and oh we don't cry but it was just nice to see them all having a moment where they're just like our lives are falling to shit and that's okay like you know we're here for each other so i i like that moment yeah um, i think the moment was there i just didn't love the acting for that scene like it felt a bit like Ty, every time she fell, that took me out. <laughs> She's like, oh shit, here it goes again. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, fair. Like they need to make that into a meme. I don't know. It was, it was just instant. Um, but as they're having this moment, it's interrupted by her new doctor, um, and he kind of comes in and lets her know that she has a fibroid problem, which is something that I love that they brought up because so many women of color um, have fibroid issues. So definitely something for all of us to get checked in once we are around that age range. Um, but she, he made a statement about, would you just want to um, remove your uterus? Because I'm assuming that you don't want to have children based off of her like more masculine appearance, um, which was like, eat like damn you went there doc right but i don't want to miss pronoun anyone yeah you already kind of did you already kind of did that was rude and uncalled for sir rude and uncalled for but Uh, one thing the doctor did do was he dropped the bomb that no one was expecting so when ty had passed out they had to call somebody because he was like she was unconscious and they ended up calling ty's husband yeah, uh, gay tie. Right there, right. Lesbian yeah. tie has a husband that was on file. So that's how that episode ends. 
So episode eight, which was my least favorite episode of the season, but this episode gives a lot of context on like each of the characters' backstories. So it runs back five years and we get to learn about um, each of the characters. Ronnie, I'll let you run through those backstories. It starts off with our girl, Ty. She's one of my faves. Um, And I think these definitely were like Joy mentioned, like character development backstories. And so we see that Ty used to work in a tech firm. She wasn't listened to by all the white men that worked in her firm. And that's kind of what inspired her to start her queer uh, love app for Black females. And then we also see that she was in a relationship with someone named Melissa um, and they were getting ready to take the next step to move in together. And so Ty was even married even back then, y'all. Um, and because she was taking this next step with Melissa, she decided to tell Melissa, hey, just to let you know, I got a husband back in Georgia or wherever she lived. Um, and she did not take that well at all. So I really, truly think that Ty was reluctant on ever telling her friends because of the reaction that she got from Melissa. Um, Have you ever, has someone ever like told you something that they meant for it to like smooth things over, have like an open, honest slate and you were like, now I want nothing to do with you? Should have kept it a secret. Uh, I don't know. I... (laughs) I'm sure there's been somebody who said something down the line. I, I just don't, I probably repressed those memories at this point. But um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, if someone dropped something that crazy on me at that point of our lives, like I probably would need to take a step back too. I just think the timing was off, but I don't know if that ever like actually happened to me. Has that happened to you? It didn't backfire on them, but I should have known that it was like, okay, that should have been my warning, like how Melissa saw that as a red flag and was like, you could easily do that to me. I didn't really take it as such, but I should have when they appear to just be like open and honest. Right. Um, And right. And then speaking of timing, we have Angie, who is in her prime of her life right now. She is an artist signed to a record label and we see she is dripped down in designer and she is just mad as hell that they ain't playing her music on Power 105.1. So she goes to the record label and unfortunately finds out that there's been a merger. Her department has been cut and they've only kept select artists and sis ain't one of them. Um, And I just thought that was a great teaching moment because I feel like there's so many black people that are in the music industry and you always hear about these industry schemes and we have a lot of favorite artists who have like made it a point to stay independent um she wanted to be like the dark skin Beyonce and be like empowerment for the dark girls um dark skin girls but I think it was a teachable moment of like representation matters teachable moment that we all need to get our money management and be financially aware of things um, because she essentially went broke and now that's why we know why she lives with Quinn Um, and speaking of our girl Quinn she is button down blazer pencil skirt working at JP Morgan girl damn Um, she has a boyfriend 
and her mom is super proud of her, um, is hoping that that becomes her son-in-law, loves that her daughter is a VP and thinks she'll be even higher in leadership. But then Quinn has this moment where she wants to quit and she actually does without having anything else lined up. Um, And her mom has like this really raw conversation with her that I personally took as too intense and I want to know your thoughts she basically was like the reason why I was so proud of you at JP Morgan is because I know what it's like as a female to live off of a man's finances and I never wanted to see you as such but now that you want to quit our relationship is I can guarantee you will be strained because you'll have to come back to me for money right I mean, I thought that was a little intense. Um, I get the disappointment of like, you know, quitting a job and not having anything lined up. And of course, I think her mother's intentions there were probably just, she didn't want her to be like her, you know, like, and I get that, but I think that she could have just supported it, just support it. Like your kid just quit a job, like support her and just hope for the best. And I think that would have went a long way with Quinn having that support for parents, not just financially, but like that moral support, like, hey, you're about to take on this rough entrepreneurial life, but I'm behind you and I believe that you can do it. I think that would have went a long way in her believing herself. And I think that's why Quinn is probably still struggling today um, with not only her entrepreneurial businesses, but like in love, like she's probably like, I don't want to find a man who's supporting me. I want to make sure I got it on my own, but like you everyone needs support and especially support from a parent like I think that's prop that was that was really harsh of her mom to say that to her so absolutely um and I think now with these backstories we may see why Camille and Quinn have a close relationship because it's also revealed that Camille doesn't have the most supportive relationship with her mom um in her case it's even more strained than Quinn's her mom's kind of like MIA um her entire life very inconsistent um and Ian has been that rock for her her supportive system and now it's time for Camille to do the same for Ian because he wants to take a leap of faith and go to Paris um and start his career as a chef and you see them getting ready for the trip saying their goodbyes to everyone in Harlem and then there's a hiccup at the airport where Ian's passport is about to expire so he needs a visa and so they have to catch the next flight and then the day they catch the next flight and they're about to get in the cab Camille stops and basically says I can't do this I need to follow my dreams I can't chase you around Paris I need to go for what I want which is to get tenure um, and be a tenure professor Um, and that was just that was just the heart of it and we see now why a lot of the characters are the way they are um let's dive into Camille let's dive into her right here right now because I feel like this whole time that they have been saying that Camille like they made it seem like Ian was the bad guy and Camille's she chose her career over the man let's just put that out there I'm just gonna put that out there um I feel like she essentially broke her own heart because he was, you know, he was willing to uh, take the leap of faith and take her with her. She sat there and said, no, I don't want to do this. It wasn't the other way around. I just want us to note that she broke her own heart. We can move on to the next episode. 
Unless you have something to say about good good old Camille. <laughs> you know I do, because you be coming hard for her. I sure do. I think she did the brave but necessary decision. Really? And I might leave it like that. Because you even said it earlier to some other point we were talking about. What's meant to be will be. Fair. Okay. When it was, are we making a mistake? You said what's meant to be will be. So apply it to this. He wants to be a chef. You go do that. I'm going to get this tenure. And if we're meant to be, we'll be. And you kind of see, as soon as he came back in town, now they back kissing, sneaking. Let me just say, I hope Camille get her tenure in season two because since done went, did, went through all that, he went to Paris, did this chef shit, come back and she still don't got tenure. So I don't fucking know. I, I mean, I don't know. But I'm going to let Camille rock. We said she, I'm going to just leave it at that. Next episode. So we start off episode nine uh, with the girls going to support Angie's Get Out the Musical dress rehearsal. So this is the first time they get to see the musical um, all the way through. And they hate it. And they lie to Angie and tell her they love it. They literally sit there like, oh my God, girl, you're so good. And like, even Quinn's like, oh my God, an Emmy is coming your way. And they was like, girl, you took it too far. Now you know damn well. They were being super harsh on the Get Out um, musical. I personally love the Get Out musical. It's my favorite part of the show. I, I like musicals, but. All right, so do you create white lies to keep your friends happy and like to not hurt their feelings or do you keep it a hundred, even if it's gonna hurt their feelings? like all the time like what's your your go-to no I keep it 100 all the time it's just the level of how I keep it 100 like sometimes I'll be super blunt like a Dr. Pruitt or I may like say it in a nicer tone or not answer their question like for instance one time I recall like a friend's shirt being wrinkled before they were going out to brunch and Uh we were in the Airbnb so I'm like does the Airbnb not have an iron? Dickhead. Oh. <laughs> I'm confused. Because you look oh, at my- See, that's fucked up. All you have to say, hey, you have a couple of wrinkles in your shirt. Like, <laughs> let's find an iron. Like, not, does the Airbnb not have an iron? That's mean. I can't. That's so messed up. I don't know. That's one of the first lessons my mom taught me was like white lies. She's like, it's sometimes okay to tell a lie, but it has to be a white lie so you don't hurt people's feelings. But now that I'm grown, knowing my mom's personality, she was the, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I'm super sweet. So like, I sometimes I have like, you know, told white lies just to protect feelings, but not on the sense where it's something like you're doing something that's horrible. And I'm going to be like, oh, I just don't want to hurt your feelings. Like, there's, I guess, a certain time and place to tell those white lies. Absolutely. Um, and this time I would say was appropriate because Angie was so excited, but Ty has a little trick up her sleeve. She's going to bring Angie to the screening um, and try to get her in cahoots with the director. Um, and so they can make a connection and hopefully she'll get something better than get out the musical in the future. Right which I thought was a little shady because I'm like, you were not helping Quinn out when she needed money for her shop and then came for sis saying she was being shady when she took Myra's money for the wedding dress. But I'm gonna let, I digress. Right. Um, And then we go from white lies to maybe even bigger lies or let me know if you think this is a white lie because it could be you're just lying about the place and the person that you're with. Um, But... (laughs) 
Ian was able to get Camille, um, and he's actually paying her. So I'm like, damn, how much money are you taking? Right. Um, but to help her pick out local artwork to uh, incorporate in their restaurant so it can represent Harlem. Um, did you feel like that was shady? Like, what, you, what do you think this meant between the two characters? It was a lot. I feel like because in the earlier episode, uh, Camille was honest with Jameson about like, hey, I'm going to Ian's thingy and whatever. At this point when she lied about it or like lied that she was going to hang out with Ian at that moment, like it's something more. Because if you feel like you have to hide that from the person you're talking to, if there's nothing there, there's nothing to hide. So definitely thought that was not a white lie. That was a whole lie. You're trying to disguise your feelings. And um, maybe that text was pondering her head. Like, damn, maybe I am making a mistake. versus before when she thought she had zero chances of getting back with him Mm. she was like oh fuck it I'm gonna bring Jameson type of thing I'm gonna show you off yeah so uh that night turned into a whole whole mess they basically after uh so while she's lying you know they um they look for art which is taking forever Camille's trying to rush through it they're getting ready to leave her uber says 18 minutes and he's like I'll just take you home whatever they get into the uber and they get into, I guess, the wrong Uber, the wrong driver, and he kidnaps them to rob them. So yeah. now her night that was just a little lie, and she was going to be a little late, turned into an all-night thing. She just got kidnapped. They were fine. And she ends up going home to Jameson and still lying about it. <laughs> yeah, lies some more. Lies, lies, and more lies. Um, and now we see that Ty did her thing hooked her girl angie up and they go to this play and angie is not with it angie hated it she just didn't see the point she thought it was unrealistic and it didn't represent what a true black person would do in that nature um and she voices her opinion to that filmmaker yeah um do you feel like that was right because personally for me especially now seeing the flashback of how Angie's vocalness when she had a when she was signed to a record label probably caused her to be one of the artists that they dropped because she was so like combative I kind of think it's like a time and a place and she doesn't get it fair I and I see that point too um I think authenticity so and maybe I'm just saying that I have never been in that uh situation but like I would be my authentic self. If I see something and I don't like it, I'm not about to kiss your ass just to get a job or just to be like, that's just not who I am, you know? Um, and I feel like I've had this argument like with older generations when they're like, oh, you got like, in terms of getting a job, you have to play the game, you have to play the game. And I feel like our generation, we're the one who was like, I'm going to play the game, but let me tell you a little about how I feel about this. Oh, this is not, you know, sustainable. Or we think you're being racist. Your culture is not inclusive. Like we're the generation to say that. I feel like sometimes you, you don't have to kiss ass in order to get to the top or where you want to be. Like, that's just an artist that, or that's a filmmaker she just won't work with because she doesn't like his stuff. And I think that's fair. So, right. But then also like Ty was pissed because now you mess with my money because we both have the same fair. And I, I guess if a friend introduced me, I'm not gonna dirty my friend's face, but like on my own tip, I'm definitely gonna be like, that's not mine. But yeah, she could have for her, I guess this could this was not the time and place to be that open about everything. Um, so we fast forward um and then we see a little bit of Quinn's story in this episode 
where she is playing the step girlfriend, step baby mama girlfriend. I don't know what to call her there because she's basically agreeing to take care of Sean's son for the day while he does, I don't know what he went to do, but she's babysitting. She thinks in her mind that it's going to get her cool points. Um, I think that's a lot of responsibility. Would you, if you were dating a man with a kid, do you, would you babysit? Let me, let me stop you right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, reverse. (laughs) Cause that shit ain't never happening. Oh, not her being discriminatory of men with kids. Boundaries, honey, boundaries. So <laughs> I can't even I can't even process that. It doesn't well, was gonna give you kids. kids doesn't go through this ear. <laughs> it's blocked. I oh, you got a kid? Or, oh, damn, that's messed up. Sorry. <laughs> you messed <laughs> <laughs> up. Um <laughs> you probably don't even remember your hypothetical question anymore. But it's okay. It is okay. Because <laughs> Quinn finds out that Isabella is at the bowling alley. So she's like, oh, let me stop by, see my friend, and I can take this kid bowling and he can have some fun knocking down some pins. Um, so they had their moment where Isabella's like, look, I grew up with all, bo- all boys, the only girl in the household, like let him play, do his thing, giving her advice. And they're also having a moment and um Isabella confesses to Quinn that she was actually there because she got stood up on a date and she had lot she did a white lie in the beginning too it's lies all over this episode um but she finally does admit the truth and Quinn's shocked because it's like oh my gosh you're gorgeous like what guy would stand you up and she's like guy I'm lesbian I'm gay and Quinn hates her. Quinn hits her with, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Like, I have a gay best friend. Oh my and they God. look at each other like, Fringy. did you really just say that? Fringy. <laughs> but I knew it. Right. And I could tell that they had a moment, even back in earlier episodes when she was helping her find a nice outfit for the fundraiser. Um, and so things get a little steamy. They have a moment there, you know, playing the game and trying to get a, a prize. Up. What are those things called? Out of the little oh, like the plushy teddy bears yeah. out of the arcade yeah. thing. They're having a moment and they finally get one and they look into each other's eyes and they're just having a moment. And then <laughs> her boyfriend's kid comes up and is like, ew. Because <laughs> they were about to kiss. They were about to kiss. He was like, what did he say? Yuck said something like that so I was like yikes that's so cringy but you know cringy. it was almost like cringy but also I felt like Quinn had to be like oh wait I'm straight like right. she was like I'm not about to kiss a girl like yeah she had a moment but it was kind of cute I was kind of here for it yeah um, but and I think that moment showed how women sometimes are always on the path of looking for love no matter who you love we're looking for love and that's how episode 10 opens up with Camille's narration of um us being taught about the fairy tale but in this modern day and age we've gone on different paths and looked for different things to fulfill us like friendships careers um different passion projects um and I know we both love this and that really struck out to me because it reminded me of some traditions that I want to break 
hopefully God willing, if I'm blessed with like beautiful, healthy baby girls and letting them know their worth. And even though I'm a like fiend for a good Disney princess movie, I don't think I'm going to allow my daughter to grow up at least watching the like the typical ones. Like if she watches a Disney princess movie, it's going to be like brave where she's like a fighter. It's not going to be Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty waiting desperately for a prince. (sighs) I'm not breaking that tradition. I'm a Disney princess. Um, (laughs) Save me. I need the kiss of the prince in order to live. I live for stuff like that. I want my, my girls to live for stuff like that. I feel like I totally get it. We shouldn't be out here chasing these unrealistic fairy tales, but I guess deep, like deep down in the back of my mind, like I believe they're still true. I feel like you can still have this fairy tale where this guy comes and sweeps you off your feet and like rescues you. Like, I feel like that's still very, very much uh, feasible. And that's why I wouldn't want to give up that fairy tale ideal. And you can still be a strong woman. And still believe in fairy tales. You definitely can, but, and it definitely is feasible. I just think later in life, because that's where I think the disconnect comes in because during the young, and we can agree to disagree, but during the young years, when we're watching these Disney princess movies, there isn't the male Disney, Disney prince movie. They need to watch They're watching cars. They're watching Rangers and it has nothing. They're, they're growing up things. It has love nowhere in it. So that's why there's a disconnect when there is the dating stages and they're a little bit slower with not knowing how to romance a woman. Well, we need to create some more romanticizing movies for for boys and we need to show them the princess movies and show them this is how you be a prince. This is how you take care of a woman. And I think we can solve it there. And And we'll create that. I will create that. I'm working. Let me write that down in my notebook. That's next. Right. Um, and then speaking of prince, we have an African prince mm-hmm. because he's introduced to us as Dr. Pruitt's pick for the tenure position. Exactly. And Camille is not here for it because here, I think to your point, here goes her laziness again. She admits to Jameson when she's like having her heart to heart, like it almost would have been an easier pill for me to swallow if Dr. Pruitt picked somebody that was white. Yeah. Like, Damn. So that means you know you was just doing a shitty job. Exactly. Period. I, I saw that too, and I was like, "Yep, sis," because it wasn't. She didn't want to white. She she's a coon, but she wasn't all the way a coon. She just picked someone who was really qualified. Like they just go beat her too. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It was, he had the most African. I was like, okay, Doctor Pruitt. And I love how they incorporated Harlem in that episode because they like did a slight mention of Melba's that Melba's um catered the food. I was like, okay. Yep, I, I love see that the show. Yes. Um, and then so now Camille's upset and she's kind of like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like my hands are tied. And Jameson brings up the idea to come with him um, to where he'll be teaching and do either a long distance relationship for the time being until he can get her a job at that university. And she's kind of like, why does every man I like end up trying to get me to move away from my borough, my Harlem? I don't know why, but 
I, I was trying to figure out like why they threw that in there again like someone else getting her to move I mean and maybe they were just touching on like the gentrification of just New York and people just always even New York it's so expensive all of that stuff but I found that interesting too like um yeah he wanted her to move uh to Chicago I think it was mm-hmm. but uh, what are your thoughts on long distance relationships do they work uh-uh. have you been in a long distance relationship mm-hmm. i'm not going back <laughs> okay just it's not for it's not for me i yeah. was some people make it work could you make it work i did it for one point it's not exactly for me i feel like if you travel i feel like i don't know i think i have issues i gotta go to a therapist <laughs> because i feel like i ideally wouldn't be opposed to long distance relationships but I think I'm like low-key scared of commitment so I like the long distance because it makes it a little less real um, right which is psychotic right um but I don't know no I was gonna say even though it's unfortunate circumstances for anybody that's listening that is in a long distance relationship I'm sure COVID and working remotely has helped them to make that long distance relationship easier yeah true that's true yeah so god bless y'all for those out there yeah i don't think um i could do it though well i don't know we'll see we'll see where that takes me right (laughs) okay so moving on we have this moment so we see angie again i don't know if we touched on this um earlier we might have to run it back so we have this moment with angie she's on set with her castmate who she happens to be hooking up with and they're actually hooking up in the bed like the set bed which is just so cringy and nasty but whatever and uh, her director comes in and is like you know telling her or no her director's coming in and ask her to basically take on a bigger role in the show and i thought that was a really cool moment for angie because she was just talking about like um with her castmate how like in life, you have this moment where you're imagining more for yourself and more for your career, but you forget to like be grateful for where you are and where you came from. And I thought that was just real in terms of just life, especially as an artist, but like in life in general, that sometimes we're too hard on ourselves trying to chase what we want. We're not like, okay, look at where we are and all these things um, we've done. So I just thought that was a great moment. I think we have to touch on this for sure is uh, the castmate that Angie is hooking up with is actually a bisexual Black man. And I thought that was really interesting dynamic that they threw in there. Um, and you've been, I've been seeing that like story be told more on TV about like bisexual men, bisexual Black men. Of course, we are, you know, Black community already has this weird uh, thought process on Black people who are gay or um, bisexual. But um, I just love that they did throw that into the story. Yeah, I think it's dope. I think they're shedding light on like uh, multiple like branches within like the LGBTQ community and adding people of color along with it and like that multi identities that people can have. Um, Because like, no shade because I love the show but like, the modern families only of the world only represent like a certain type of like white gay male. Yeah, agreed. So with that, also talking about bisexual, we're going to transition into what now becomes Quinn's by curiosity. So she has a moment with um, Ty. She, they're having like a girl's night and she asked like Ty to come over early so she could talk to Ty about okra. 
is what she called it. So she says, you know, if you one day you like you never really liked okra, and then you kind of were curious to try okra. All this okra being pussy, they have that conversation, and Ty instantly snaps at her and was like, "Well, if you don't know what you if you like okra or not, don't mess with okra until you know it's what you actually want." And I I thought that was a um a great point to have because I feel like a lot of women or maybe gay women, I'm not really sure, but have this moment where you're messing with straight girls who are bi-curious and then, you know, their hearts get broken. You hear that story often. So mm-hmm. I thought it was important to put that in there. Don't mess with people's feelings until you actually know what you want just because you're trying to be curious. So that was great. Um, and then Camille joins in because like we said, Quinn set it up to where her and Ty could get her alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically lets them know that she wasn't completely honest. And that when they were on there, when she was with Ian, remember she lied to Jameson um, and they ended up being a part of that robbery and were scared. Ian actually confessed that he still loved her. And she, in that moment, knew that she had the same feelings. Um, And so they kind of encouraged her to say, well, like, if this is how you really feel, go after him, sis, like before he gets married, before it's too late. I like that because I feel like so many times people or I liked how they depicted it I won't say I like that Mm -hmm. it's something for all women I'm advising them to do but that was the first time in a while that we've seen women chase after what they want because it's always like the man needs to chase you which I still think in a heterosexual relationship that a men men should chase the women a bit harder yeah I, I feel like the only reason I agree with it in this situation is because yeah you need to chase him because you chased him away the first time now girls start running because you didn't you didn't messed up you messed up you didn't get your your tenure you didn't get your man you need to start chasing something because you're not chasing anything at this point so that's the only reason I agree with that but I I'm reading a book and it says what you chase will just run away from you. So I'm not chasing anything. Um, so moving on through the episode, uh, all the girls, I think they go out one night and they they get drunk together. You know, they're just having a night where they need to relax and just let loose because it's a lot going on. It's just everybody's life is just in shambles right now. Um, everybody's. Uh, Ty is in this, trying to get out of this, get divorced from her husband. Angie is, uh, oh, did we disclose that? Yeah, we didn't. Angie basically loses her main role in the play. She actually used, loses the whole play after trying to be extra and write Jordan Peele and give him notes on something. He basically canceled the whole play, said it was copyright infringement and they can't do the play. So she going through it, Camille going through it because she loves her ex and he's about to get married and Quinn's going through it because she's in love with a girl and she don't know what the hell to do about it. So they all go and get drunk. And I love this moment because it's just black women letting loose and they're just encouraging each other drunk. Like, oh my God, you're a bad bitch. And we got to empower each other. I just thought that moment was like really dope. Right. Um, but then here go Quinn and Camille taking it a step further. That double-sided coin, I'm telling yep. you. Yep. I'm in dumber. They go on a drunk spree. Yes, they do. This, this was sober thoughts, drunk. No, sober thoughts, drunken words or actions. Yep. Yes, because yes. then we see Cam- Quinn giving Camille inspo, like, hey, I could chase JP Morgan Chase back in the day. If Dr. Pruitt is not giving you what you want, go for it. She rings that woman's brownstone doorbell in the middle of the night yep. and quits Camille in front of yep. Dr. Pruitt and letting her know too, I don't have anything lined up. I just 
Phil, I deserve that tenure. You didn't give it to me. So peace. Peace. And then now it's Quinn's turn to fulfill her portion of the dare. And she steps into Isabella's campaign office in front of her campaign workers and basically tells her, I'm curious in your okra. And Isabella, I loved her response because she's like, okay, this may be new to you and you probably didn't know how to take it. And I still like you and I'm willing to like see where this goes. But let's be clear, I didn't offer you any okra, honey. Exactly. I, swear love- the okra, yes. I did not offer you any okra. Like, girl. And that was a cute moment. And Quinn was like, fair enough. Can I take you out on a date too? Potentially see if I want that okra boiled or fried. Okay. Way, I love fried okra. How I have I don't think I've had it fried. I like it sauteed though. I've made okra. I ate all of it. I was but they say you're not supposed to eat too much of that, but I was fucking that okra up. Like I really? I'm always embarrassed to tell people I like okra because I feel like it's like it's slimy. I feel like I get that response from people, but I love it. I like okra too. I don't care. Um, Okay, so boom. After all this happens, Quinn and Camille are back in the taxi, and Quinn realizes, oh snap! I have to drop off Mira's wedding dress to the venue tonight for her wedding tomorrow. So Camille's like, oh, like she's, you know, she's like, let's, well, Quinn's like, let's call it a night. Camille's like, no, 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 let's go. Like, I'm fine. We can do this. Like, come on, let's just go. So they go and drive. Right. Just lying. She just dumb. Let's drop the dress off. They go to the venue, drop off the dress. Uh, Quinn's like, just stay in the car. I'll be right back. I'm just going to give it to her and go. You know, Camille ain't stay in the car. She walked her ass in that venue, drunk as hell, looking around. And while she's in there, um, she walks into like I guess the actual ballroom and she has this vision of the wedding scene and it's her and Ian getting married this kind of made my little heart hurt I'm not gonna lie this was the one moment I've kind of felt for Camille is she just envisioned her perfect wedding you see all her girls standing there and she's this beautiful bride and they're dancing and it was just it was kind of sad like because like you've never been this in was when I wasn't with it I'm you've like never, what we're always the opposite we're never on the same page you've never been in a situation where you're like damn this could have been what me and my ex could have been on like but to your point to your point i think (laughs) she just she put this on herself that's her like like i'm not gonna say i'm not knocking her for envisioning that but she put that on herself yeah and um one thing that we touched on like when they were about to go to Paris and she decided not to go we saw in the taxi cab when Ian left to head to the airport he was actually going to propose to Camille so that could have been her so I I didn't feel any empathy for her and I know do you think that Camille would have went to Paris if she knew that he was going to propose now that we see the flashback and all hell yeah hell yeah that's what I'm saying. She would have chased that man wherever he wanted to go just for a fucking ring. Clearly. Clearly. She would have been, I'll figure it out. Tenure, I don't need that. I got my husband. Like, and I feel like that's a lot of women though. Like, I feel like sometimes we want the love over the career. Like, if we knew it was guaranteed, I think we'd go for it. Like, and I feel like love is important. That's something you should chase. Companionship. You should chase a forever partner. Like, want that in your life. Um, I think if she would have known it was guaranteed, she definitely wouldn't have made that choice. Um, yeah. 
but so after she starts envisioning having her vision she's like running out to go back to the uh to the uh car and of course she runs into freaking Ian duh no shit Uh, it's his wedding reception right uh so she runs into Ian they have this like exchange uh this weird she's drunk and she's holding a wedding sign like she grabbed the sign off of the freaking wall I don't know she's a weirdo um and he basically she basically professes her heart and her love to him again like hey the other night when we were we got kidnapped you told me you were still in love with me and I still love you too and she professes his heart her heart again like I said in the last episode don't ever fucking pour your heart out to a man before he pour it out to you this is dumb but she does it again okay it's just we just know that's how Camille gets down and what does Ian do he snaps at her like why the hell are you telling me this the night before my wedding didn't you just profess your love to me like two days ago? Now it's I, I'm a problem for telling you this. Whatever. Um, that was a front though, because then they ended up smooching kissing. and kissing, and and Mira walks out and sees it, and that's how we end season one of Harlem. Literally, that's how they ended it. I was pissed. You want to know why I was pissed? Why? Not that it wasn't a good series, but if they don't make a season two, I'm writing a letter to somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Megan Good. You ain't leaving me on that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Because oh. Mira was looking from up above. I need to know if sis stood there and just dipped off. I need to know if she came booking down them steps and right. said, What do you say? Like, what do you say in that moment? Like, you just cry. Like, I'm not about to fight for a nigga who I see is like kissing his ex, like, and y'all just profess your your love to each other, like. You think she heard that too? I think she heard most of it. I think she heard it. That that's break my heart into pieces. This is my last resort. Like, come on, like that would have just been over for me. Um, but yeah, that's how Harlem ends. I Thought. think the what thoughts? What are your yeah. thoughts? I hope they do a season two, too. I think if they do do a season two, um, Camille and Ian are going to have the worst time together. They're going to just, it's going to be a roller roller coaster of emotions and they're just not going to be happy. I just think that's what's going to happen. Camille's not accountable. Ian got his life together. I think it's just going to be rocky. That's just my prediction. But overall, I liked seeing Black women navigate all the lot, all these different aspects of life. Um, that was my favorite thing. I didn't really fall in love with any of the characters. I think at the end, I really liked um, Quinn's story the most. Or this is between Quinn and Angie. Um, I like Quinn's story the most because she just kind of like found herself a little bit. And I think she had the most growth throughout it. And then um, Angie just, Angie was just doing some real shit throughout the show. She just came out yeah. like a group right then. Like she was authentically herself the whole show. And I liked that about her. So they were uh, my favorite too. For Ty, she's too secretive. She was just living a whole different life. I really, I didn't like that. And y'all know how I feel about Camille. Camille just is not my girl. She did this to herself. I don't think she deserves to be with Ian. I don't think she deserves to break up that happy man's wedding. She needs to go focus on herself because she still don't got tenure. That, that's how I feel about Camille. Um, but overall, I definitely would recommend binging Harlem. What are your yeah, thoughts? Absolutely. Um, definitely would recommend binging. I feel like it's such a feel-good show, whether you're a male or female watching. Um, and I think it sheds light, like you said, on different aspects of 
what it looks like to be black um and it's interesting I actually watched the season twice and the people that I gravitated to towards like changed um first my heart like went out to like Camille and I loved seeing Ty and like this like she's queer she's has her own tech company she's an entrepreneur she's on Forbes and then re-watching the season again I was like how did I overlook Quinn like yeah. I love her. I love how supportive she is for her friends. I love how she, you see her trying to figure out life in all different aspects. And like you said, have seeing her grow throughout the season. Um, so I definitely think it's relatable in something that's binge worthy and we can all like take lessons from it, get laughs out of it, get cries out of it. Um, and I'm excited to see what comes out for season two. And super super proud of Megan Good um and what she's done with the show I've supported her in other things before but I don't know if it's it's just been a minute for her but like yeah. I was happy to see her back on the screen yeah me too I haven't seen her on the screen in a while though like I feel like I haven't seen her on the screen since like think like a man no she's done other stuff <laughs> like, I watched the movie with her it was like I love a cheesy like romantic movie so it can have like a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes I'm still going out to see it she had like this movie with not that it not it had low ratings but a ro romantic scary movie with her and Michael Ely I know recently oh. she did a movie with her sister even so she's had various like roles since Think Like a Man for sure I think that's probably her most biggest um but that's why people come to black and binging we're here to show you different female leads black female leads whether they're on screen or behind the screen that are doing the damn thing in tv and film and we are so excited to announce that in february in honor of black history month you will be getting an episode of black and binging every single monday for our month people we celebrate blackness all year round, but an extra, extra something for February. Extra round. So stay, stay up on our socials to see what's next. And can't wait to hear from y'all in the next episode. Yes. Thank you guys for watching.